Mornings 5 till 10. Mix 95.9's Two Girls and a Guy. Special guest this morning on the Two Girls and a Guy show. It's Mix 95.9. Playing this song because this is probably the most famous song to match the beats when you perform CPR. Mm-hmm. It's been a big hot topic here in America ever since Demar Hamlin in his like hit that he took at the football game a couple weeks ago. I want to welcome to the Two Girls in a Guy studio, Dr. David French from the American Heart Association. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank y'all for having me. Hey. Um, So they contacted us, um, Olivia and Katie and everybody at the American Heart Association. They listen to us every morning, Brooke. And they heard us last week talking about the importance of CPR and how it literally saved uh, Damar Hamlin's life after he took that uh, near fatal hit um, at the football game. And so we were talking about CPR and how we had taken, taken the class and gotten certified when we were in high school. And then Tani was like, you know, you need to get like recertified every once Things in a change. while. Mm-hmm. Science changes. So they heard us talking about that, and uh, they wanted us to uh, bring in uh, Dr. French uh, to talk to us about, it can't really say it's a new way. It's been out for a while, but not a lot of people might not know about basically mouth-free CPR. But first, I want to touch on the DeMar Hamlin situation. Did you watch, Were you watching that live, or did you like see it in clips later on? Uh, unfortunately, I was working uh, at the time, so I ended up seeing clips later as people started to, to discuss what had happened to him. What did you feel as a medical professional when you watched when you watched that? I mean, it was so rare for them to stop a game for as long as they did and to bring the ambulance out on the field. Did you know immediately what had happened? The way Tanya explained it was something like a a, a bad hit at the wrong place in his chest at the wrong time in the heartbeat. I think that's a great description. Um, and, and you're right. I don't remember the last time I saw an ambulance go onto the field of an NFL game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels like a long time when people are trying to restart someone's heart. But the folks that were out there, sounds like they were doing everything right. Um, you know, not seeing his records and not talking to his doctors. A lot of it has been speculation about what happened. But I think your description is is perfect, where it was, you know, the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, it, it sounds like the hit most likely happened during an electrical phase of his heart when it was trying to recover, and it essentially shorted out the system and sent him into a, an abnormal rhythm where the heart was just kind of quivering. And so they were using CPR and electricity to try to get his heart restarted. And that's not with him specifically, but that's not something that we can prevent, right? Like, Because it could happen to anyone if you're playing on a softball league or you're doing a whatever. It's not something that we can be... What's a way to be cautious and not have this happen to you, I guess, is the question that I would ask. That's a great question. And really, the end result can happen from a lot of different things. We most commonly see it in folks that have some kind of underlying heart disease. Um, it's not a heart attack. That's a separate problem. But sometimes they're interrelated. So this is really an electrical short in the pump as opposed to a damage to the to the pump and the muscle itself, which is what a heart attack is. But the two can happen together. In his case, as far as we know, it sounds like his heart was healthy, and this just happened to be, again, wrong place, wrong time, mm-hmm. shorted out the system, and the result was the same um, as, as other causes of an abnormal heart rhythm. And in answer to your question, Brooke, it can be really hard to do. This is pretty rare if the speculation is right. This wrong place, wrong time thing happens a handful of times every year, but 
we've used we usually think about it in sports like baseball, hockey, lacrosse, where you're getting when it's a hit. puck or a ball. Yeah, yeah, something coming at you at a really high rate of speed, and it just hits you in the right place um, with enough force that it shorts out the heart. And I think that's why you know a lot of these sports have started to use chest protectors and stuff like that to try to protect the athletes, but mm-hmm. it's really rare. And as you know, as normal people walking down the street, it's not something that we tend to worry about. That's, Other causes are, are more serious. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is his recovery, I mean, because I didn't think, I knew he was going to recover, but I didn't think so quickly. Is it because he was an athlete that his recovery was so quick? Yeah, it's, I think that that played a lot into it. I mean, certainly having a healthy heart to begin with uh, is going to speed recovery, but the electrical short, once we get that started again, if it's caused by an injury or even if it's caused by damage, once we fix that short initially, they may be at risk for having it later. And sometimes people will have those implanted defibrillators to keep them from having another problem like that. But usually the electrical problem, once it's fixed, they're usually okay. Mm-hmm. They have to deal with some of the other problems if there's like an associated heart attack or something else, that may mean that the recovery is longer, but the electrical part usually recovers more quickly. So I had asked Tanya and Brooke last week, I'm like, if I had a heart attack right now sitting here, would they know what to do? And based on the knowledge of what we've learned in high school 10, 20 years ago, in my case, more like five to seven years ago. (laughs) First of all, we'd say stop lying because that Um, would... But the truth is stress on your heart. You won't get into heaven. <laughs> and there's a strong part of me that I think they would avoid giving me CPR because they don't want to French kiss me. But it's and you can't really say it's a new way of doing CPR because it's been out for a while. I call it mouth free, but it's basically two handed CPR, which is something anybody can do if they have that phobia of putting their mouth on a stranger. You know, I think that you make a great point again. People have a, a resistance to doing this for a variety of reasons. One is concern about getting an infection and putting their mouth uh, on a stranger. We don't really do that anymore, okay. especially for folks that are, you know, just in the public and they just show up upon someone that's heart may not be beating. They don't have you don't have to do that. Really, the focus is exactly what you said, where you're putting hands on the chest and you're and you're pushing. It's easier to teach someone to do CPR than it is to teach them to ride a bike or throw a ball. It's a really, really simple skill. Mm -hmm. And then the AED that they talked about and they used on uh, Mr. Hamlin, we have bunches, thousands of those in Charleston County. And our dispatch center knows where most, if not all of them are. So they can tell people how to get one. And I think that my TV remote is probably harder to use than the AED. It's Mm -hmm. really one or two buttons. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. I also want to know this AED, should every home have one, like a first aid kit? I think folks should have a first aid kit. I don't know that they need an AED, Okay. to be honest. If you have someone in your house that's older, has a lot of medical problems, some individuals may have that. Usually the focus is in higher risk areas, higher traveled areas, stadiums, malls. Uh, the casinos like to have them, um, airlines, where you right. don't really have a lot of other options fairly quickly. So for most folks, I don't know that you need one in the home. I, I don't have one in my house. And if you were, I know we're going to get into the CBR, but if you were Hamlin's doctor, would you suggest that he go back to playing in the NFL? Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that because I don't know enough about his recovery and how his heart is done and any damage that he's had. It sounds like he's doing great. Absolutely. And I think that this is 
a very positive story uh, all the way around. I mean, a very scary episode, but it sounds like everything went very, very well overall. But I don't know if physically or mentally he'll be able to play again. I think that's going to remain to be seen. If I were his wife or his mom, I'd say absolutely yeah. not. Really, right? <laughs> I get that. Uh, two girls and a god time. It's 930. We're talking to Dr. David French with the Charleston chapter of the American Heart Association about, you know, CPR. Well, we all know about staying alive. We played it as the bumper music, you know, at the beginning of this segment that they say that's the beat to do uh, CPR, too. But you guys shared a ton of other songs. Matter of fact, uh, Tanya and Brooke, they have like their own Spotify playlist um, for songs that match that beat. What was it? A hundred? 150? What was it? 120? Yep. It's 120 beats per minute. And when you do this, because I never took a CPR class when I was younger. It wasn't required in our school or anything like that. Do you just keep pushing? Like that's, or when do you stop? Like, do or do you not? Or, you know, I know it was like you one, two, three, and then you'd breathe in their mouth. But now we know that that's not necessary all the time. Great question. So one little disclaimer, really what we're talking about is adult CPR. If you're talking about pediatrics or infants, usually their heart stops for a different reason. And a lot of times they still recommend giving kids a rescue breath. So for, you know, daycare workers, lifeguards, folks are going to be dealing with that population. They probably need to get certified in CPR Mm -hmm. to really know how to handle those, Mm -hmm. that population. For adults, what we found is that for just the, the lay person, if you will, not the professional rescuers, not the hospitals, really it's just about pushing on the chest and getting the electricity. The goal with CPR isn't necessarily to restart their heart, it's to try to keep blood flowing until we can get other interventions, uh, usually electricity, to get the heart back into a normal rhythm. So right. really we're buying time. And so what that means in terms of how long you do this, essentially you keep going until someone else takes over, until you're too tired to continue, or until their heart starts again. It's really the reasons to stop. And I tell you, it's a workout. When we do this professionally, we switch compressors every two minutes because people wear out really Really? fast. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's almost like doing two minutes of push-ups, basically. And who yeah. loves to do those? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Nobody. So it's not quite the same, but it's, you know, similar in terms of mechanics. And, right. But it, it wears you out. It wears you out To give fast. you a, a feel for some of the, the 120 beats per minute staying alive, obviously number one, but also on their playlist, if your favorite song is Justin Timberlake, Can't Stop the Feeling. Okay. That is also 120 minutes. And the whole thought process is you sing along in your head and you and you compress to the beat of the rhythm, mm-hmm. right? One Dance by Drake. Really? It's also okay. 120. Love that song. Call Me Maybe. Uh, there's a couple Lady Gaga songs, Just Dance, Poker Face, Uptown Funk. Wow. If you're old school and love Motown, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Who from Diana Ross. This? Wow. Spice Girls Wanna Be. That's my pick right there. <laughs> Unless there's a Britney song on there, because then I'll change it up. I want to dance with somebody from Whitney Houston. So there's a lot of songs to choose from. And again, you only bring this up so that you know there's a go-to in your mind. So you can keep that rhythm. So you can keep that that rhythm going. And and now we know you you have to do that indefinitely until one of those three things happen that the doctor mentioned. Yeah, and I mean, if you have the rhythm that I do, uh, it probably doesn't matter what song you pick. It doesn't matter if you're right on the beat. Doctor, um, are you rhythmless? He, he ain't got no rhythm. He got to have a metronome in the ER. Well, fortunately, the, the license means that I don't have to do a lot of CPR anymore. I can delegate. So, uh, delegate. Yeah. I rely on that a lot. Um, That's too funny. Um, well, but you're not going to hurt them. 
is is the good news. You're not gonna you're not gonna make them worse by doing this. So doing anything is gonna be better than doing nothing. And the other good news is that if you forget how to do this, if you're just totally locked up, you have no idea what to do. If you get someone to call nine one one, the operators there are trained to talk you through doing CPR. Gotcha. So, and, you know, every once in a while, they'll play back calls uh, when I do work with them, and you'll hear someone say, nope, nothing I can do, they're gone. And you're like, really? You're screaming into the phone. What are you doing? Just do something. Right. You're not going to hurt them. Do something. And lastly, because we're in a litigious society in, you know, these times, uh, can I get sued? If I am performing CPR, and let's say worst case scenario, I accidentally crack a sternum or a ri- break a rib or something, am I legally liable or am I covered under that Good Samaritan law? Or is that an urban legend that doesn't really exist? For the most part, if you're trying to help someone, you're, you have protection under the Good Samaritan law. It doesn't always extend to professional rescuers or hospitals. Uh, but if you're a layperson and you're trying to help someone, usually you have protection. And I'll tell you that uh, if you're doing CPR and they come back to try to sue you for a broken rib, then they should be thanking you for saving their life. Yeah. So. How ungrateful. Well, it made it happen. <laughs> Well, I know, but I'm like, really? I saved your life, and this is Etu Mute. How dare you? How dare you? There's there's people that are out for the money, Give me my breaths back. (laughs) You don't have to breath anymore. You didn't deserve staying alive being sung to you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If you had, uh, before we uh, head into the next segment, if you had one piece of advice, I mean, you're listening to all all of Charleston's listening now. If you had one piece of advice for everybody right now, what what would that be? Is it just to get certified, or I don't even know. Freshen up. What's your what's your what's your wisdom? the The wisdom is is pretty basic. One is the longer you delay to intervene, the worse the outcome. So you really need to to start something pretty much immediately if you're going to save somebody. This isn't going to work for everybody. Uh, and you know, but if you don't do anything, there's really no chance that that you're going to be able to save them. So do something early. You're not going to hurt them. Um, and, and don't be afraid of getting involved. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being in here and talking to us today, especially about the two handed mouth free CPR. Yeah, real. That's going to help a lot of people. Cause one of the first things Tanya said this morning, if they bring in Annie, I'm not putting my mouth <laughs> <laughs> on no dummy today. So thank you again, Dr. David French with the American Heart Association. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Appreciate it.